0: On this episode of The Feature, we sat down with Hannah Olson, the director of Arise Creations, to hear stories of what drew her to Chicago, what keeps her here, and how a jewelry-making program is changing the story of her neighborhood. She tells us about the Urban Hope necklace and the girls who make them. She introduces us to a beauty that emerges from the violence of the city. Here's Hannah with your host, Emmanuel Padilla, sharing her story. Hello everyone and welcome to the World Outspoken Podcast. I'm here at the Moody Bible Institute today. Uh, Today's a teaching day for me, but I have the gift of being here with Hannah Olson, who is the director of Arise Creations, which is a not-for-profit ministry or project for New Life Community Church and New Life Centers. Uh, And so we're excited to talk about some of the work that she does in Humboldt Park. That's my home neighborhood. It's also hers. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we'll also talk a little bit more about how this impacts the youth of that community. So, Hannah, do you want to say hi hi to everyone?
1: Hey, I'm Hannah. I'm the director of Arise, like you mentioned. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to be here.
0: Now, Hannah graduated from uh, the great school Moody Bible Institute as well. (laughs) She graduated a few years ago. Um, And you lived in Humboldt Park even before you graduated from Moody. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So I moved there in 2013. Moody had a program called the Cohort Program, Mm -hmm. and we were sort of guinea pigs for that in Humboldt Park. So we're the first year of the group going out there, and then we've been there ever since, so...
0: That's exciting. Yeah. It's fun. I also moved out to Humble Park while I was here as a student, and I think it actually helped me better make sense of yeah. my student experience yeah, to be absolutely. kind of with my church, involved in the community. I don't know, tethered me somehow. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, it was really, really helpful to me. So you moved out there, and the weird thing about this now is that New Life, I feel like New Life is now penetrating Moody because we have the, the president, <laughs> we've got a bunch of staffers who now go to that yep. church. I mean... Uh, What's it like? What's it feel like to have your alma mater and your church be so closely connected?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like, just like you said, it was kind of connected beforehand just because there's the overlap between... Living out there while I was having an education, it was just very interconnected. But to now having the president of our church or was the president of our church, you know, now become the president of Moody. And a lot of that overlap happen is pretty neat to see. So,
0: yeah, it's yeah. been fun. It's been fun. It's I think it's going to help Moody connect to the city in a really interesting I think so way. Too. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited for that. So let me ask, you're not from Chicago originally. You're from Ohio.
1: Yep, from Ohio, um, Northeast Ohio in Akron. Okay. Um, So grew up there and then was in Peru for three months before I came to Moody and then came to Moody and um, have lived in Chicago ever since. Had a little short jot of maybe nine or 10 months that I went back to Ohio okay. and worked at a ministry there called Urban Vision. Okay. Uh, so inner city ministry there. Uh, I was working with refugees and also inner city kids there. And then once I got married, moved back to Chicago and have been here with my husband and our little one since then. So
0: And a little one on the way.
1: Yep. And a little one on the way. <laughs>
0: Super exciting. Yeah. So if you're from Akron, that means you're from some connection to a city. Yep. Big city ministry, was, was it always the plan?
1: No, absolutely not. I thought I was going to be overseas. I always had a heart for um, the mission field, grew up in a Christian Missionary Alliance church. And yep. so... Um, My parents were very missional. My dad led trips to the Dominican Republic. My parents were very, um, they just integrated us into culture very well. And so I always felt like I would be in a culture other than my own. Um, Loved Hispanic culture, thought that maybe I would be, I don't know, in the Dominican someday because I had been there a couple times, then, you know, went to Peru and really loved that experience. Um, And then came to Chicago and never, ever thought I would be in a big city ever. I love being outside. I love nature, hiking, all that stuff, and ended up staying here. So fell in love just with the neighborhood of Humboldt Park. And what's cool is that, you know, it is a predominantly Hispanic community. So God used that passion in some way anyways, yeah. which is cool.
0: So so you committed to Humboldt Park because of its connection to something that you had in mind, it seems like from an early, early age. But my question is, uh, why commit to this particular ministry? Why Arise? Because Arise started mm-hmm. in 2009, so it predates yep. you. Yep. Uh, why Arise? Why get involved in this?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I would also say that that wasn't in my plan. Uh, I think God works that way oftentimes where we come up with a plan and he obviously directs our course. And so ended up falling in love with the community of Humble Park culturally, but also just because of the children that were there. Um, really, really love working with children and youth. Uh, And it's very easy for me. I feel like God's given me a gift of just connecting with them. And so that's really what drew me into the community first into even New Life Centers was just it being a ministry for children and watching just the generational effects of a kid that you get at a young age, watching them grow up, choose Christ and, you know, make decisions in the future. Um, And so Arise was never really—I had a couple friends who were leading it. I liked what they did. I liked that they were working with and We can get into that a little bit more later, you know, just the heart behind Arise. Um, but I was not big into middle school and high school ministry. It intimidated <laughs> me. It made me feel nervous. These girls, like, were going through a lot. There were a lot of drama all the time. I remember tons of stories of them. And I was like, ah, eh, that's not for me. I'll be working with the third through fifth graders in the classroom, and that's enough. So— Um, but yeah, I came back from, uh, got married, came back to Chicago and knew I wanted to stay at New Life Centers, knew I wanted to work there. My husband was working there for three years prior and ended up, they ended up saying that there was one job open and it was what was then called the bling position. So B-L-I-N-G. Um, and I believe that stood for bringing up leaders in the next generation, And so uh, there was $3,000, I believe, in the budget. And they said, that's all you got. Work with it. Move forward. And uh, if by the end of the summer you have nothing left, then you're out of jobs. So that was kind of—it was a little bit intimidating but also exciting for me because I think I found a part of my heart, this entrepreneurial heart, where I was like, no, I can do this. Like, we're going to support raise. This ministry is going to get up off the ground. We're going to start it fresh and new. Um, and build it up to be something that really does empower youth in our community. So it was definitely developed vision over time and continues to be that. But um, yeah, it's, I feel like God has really developed my heart for the program over time. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: so you took over in 2015, is that right? 2015, yep. Okay. Yeah. Where is it at now? What would you say is the status of it now in terms of the growth of Arise and, and how it's developed?
1: Yeah, so um, I would definitely say just giving it a fresh start was something that was beneficial. The I can't not talk about it without giving credit to the ladies who went before. There's Nikki, um, Finklia now Robinson and Beth Gaelic who started it beforehand, who are both um, were huge, you know, and starting even helping with the new life centers and things like that. And so they really began the heart of the ministry being to bring up these leaders, giving them job skills, Um, giving them the ability to do something with their hands and not be out on the street. So it's a lot more of an intervention program back then um, where we were getting girls off the street. We were giving them something to do with their hands. Now it's become more of a preventative program where we're getting them a lot younger in middle school, giving them something to do so that they they don't end up there, I guess. And so... Um, Yeah, so today we have a middle school program and a high school program. It's all girls, so um, we really focus on um, empowering women in our community. There's few programs, I feel like, that um, really focus on women empowerment. I think uh, male empowerment, you know, and raising up young men is incredibly important in our communities because that is largely lacking, Um, but we, I really, you know, saw that there was, Absolutely none that I knew of at New Life Centers in Humboldt Park that were just for the girls. And so I really wanted to be able to give them a space that was safe for them, where they would be empowered, encouraged and educated, which is in our mission um, to really grow up to be young women in the community that stand out, that go against the flow, that, you know, people have perceptions of who they are, that they're going to go beyond that Um and so today we have, like I said, middle and high school program. We just recently, in March, hired on our second full-time employee. Congrats. So she's been absolutely amazing. Um, her name's Rochelle, and she I couldn't do without her, especially now having children. I don't know how I'd do without her. Um, but the girls themselves in the program, um, they're learning about uh, entrepreneurship. So like a lot of uh, very basic job skills. So how do you do an application um, how do you interview how do you send out recommendations It's intimidating to go to a teacher or to somebody who's older than you who you respect and say, hey can you actually recommend me for this like program or this job um, So those are requirements in order to get into the program.
0: How do you select the girls
1: So that's that's a really interesting question um, Most of the girls it's word of mouth um, they, actually talk around to their friends, things like that, and then they apply for the pro- the program itself. At this point, um, we are getting too close to our max where we might have to start selecting. We've never had to say, you know, for sure this girl and for sure not this girl, um, but it definitely comes down to their commitment and uh, their interest. We've had to let girls go because of their lack of commitment because that is a requirement, you know, and something that we hold highly. Um, but for the most part, the girls who apply and really go through all the loops just because that's a challenge in of itself, um, get into the program. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What does commitment mean for, so these girls are in Humboldt Park, uh, they're in West Humboldt really. Yeah. And, uh that's a pretty changing community. Yeah. Uh, Even in terms of its Hispanic heritage, it was pretty predominantly Puerto Rican. Now it's a good mix of Puerto Rican, African American. And then there's some gentrification in that community. Yeah. Uh, What does that mean? What does commitment mean to arise? And, and well, I'll ask the question in the reverse in a minute, but let's just start with that. What does it mean for them to be committed to arise?
1: Okay. So... Um, A lot of what we ask is just simply that they are committed to the classes that we hold. So there's two classes a week for middle school, two classes a week for high school. Um, We make them sign in like a job, sign out like a job, um, follow the rules. So we have be respectful, be receptive, be ready to create. Um, It's kind of already a requirement to be responsible. And um, part of that responsibility and commitment is getting there on time. It's Um, really holding the standard high for them. I think the higher you hold a standard, the more they're going to raise up to that. And so I think uh, not expecting, oh, well, you know, they don't know how to do this. So we're just not going to have a high standard. No, like we're intentionally holding a high standard for them so that they learn, so that they grow, so that, you know, they do, they are committed to the program. So, um, yeah, so commitment is really just being, being there, like making sure you're on time. And then while we're, Um, having class time, learning spiritual lessons, learning how to make the jewelry pieces, going out to selling events, things like that, um, that they really desire to do that. I think if there's a lack of desire, we address that pretty quickly. Um, And the girls respond well um, because they know our hearts, you know, our hearts are for them, to disciple them, to walk with them, Um, really for some of them to be mamas for them. um, I think that that happens oftentimes where they're like, oh, we just feel like this is a second family. And that really draws them back and creates that kind of commitment there
0: too. So it probably connects them. That's why I brought up the community changing because it probably helps them connect to people that would otherwise feel fragmented, distant. Yeah. I know of at least one student who told the story on one of your um, kind of introductions to Arise. Mm-hmm. She told the story about, oh, I couldn't stand that one girl. And then I yes. got to know her. And now, <laughs> now we're friends. Yeah. Uh, talk me through that. How, how does that commitment uh, bear fruit? Is there yeah. a story that you can think of of a student who you had to really challenge? This, like You got to be here on time. You have to make sure you're doing your work. Yeah, I like how you said it. Uh, uh, coming here ready to be respectful, receptive, and ready to create Talk me through someone that you had to really push to be that. Sure.
1: Yeah, I definitely think those connections happen over time in the classroom. Um, But one girl in particular I think of, she's been probably one of our longest standing students. Her name's Shay. She came four years ago. She was just out of elementary school, going into middle school. Um, Had experienced, honestly, a lot of difficulty in her life. Had experienced a ton of change um all before the age of 11 and um so when i met her i initially thought that she was about 17 or 18 years old <laughs> girl was 11 um and she came in and she let us know pretty much right off the bat and she'd be fine letting me tell you this but she was like if you mess with me you're going to know you know there's going to be some issues and so she let us know off the bat you know like i Okay, this girl, she knows who she is, she knows what she's going through like and and I don't know if she's ready for change. And so um so she started coming to the program consistently. She came from nowhere. I don't know where she came from. I think there was a connection with the school down the street, the neighborhood school that my husband is at and um she just decided I'm going to go to summer programs this year. Um so she came in, uh really difficult. It was difficult to like have conversations at first. She seemed soft in some areas and really cold and hard in other areas. Um, and she really—you could tell early on, like I said, she wasn't gonna follow the rules. <laughs> she was gonna be one of those that really kind of test the waters. So, um, so yeah, she came. I think it was week three. They were talking about um, just the man who builds his house on the rock versus the man who builds his house on the sand. And for some reason, it was that lesson that was like, man, what am I building my house on that she just she couldn't stop thinking about it. And I remember my husband was like, you you need to go to somebody if you have stuff that you need to talk through or like there's things going on in your life that you just need to confess and need to work through. Like you like there's people here who love you. Like even if you've only been here a little while, like there's people here who love you and want to work through these things with you. And I remember week three, this girl does not know me. She does not already have a trust relationship with me, but she did come to me and she's like, I got to talk to you. She's like, there's just some stuff in my life that, you know, Mr. Jeremy was talking about building your life on the rock. And she's like, I'd never heard of that before. And I like, and just started confessing these things, like these burdens that were on her heart, just started like confessing and, and, and saying, you know, like, I don't want to live like this anymore, but I want to see change. And so that was, you know, the first, step I feel like towards her transformation and now she's going into high school um she's a freshman this year uh and I really can say that God has transformed this girl's life like I am so proud of her I I don't even I feel like there's things that if you saw her four years ago versus today you wouldn't see the same girl um wow she yeah, I don't know if you want to hear a story about, you know, one particular thing, if you have time for it.
0: Yeah, feel free. Okay. We're, we're all ears for the stories. I, I think uh, one thing that's highlighted for me in this is that this commitment piece goes both ways. Yeah. Right? It, it can't be just asking the students to be committed to, to you. In a neighborhood that's so in flux, like Humboldt mm-hmm. Park, it takes people like the Olsons to say, <laughs> we will be here from early middle, right out of elementary, and she's gonna be a freshman, mm-hmm. and you're still tethered to her, right? Yeah. You're still uh, walking life with her. And I yeah. think that that's an important piece of that.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that. I think that's a huge piece. And it actually, just especially with urban ministry, is I think people experience a lot of, you know, It's a a transient culture. You know, people are in and out all the time, uh, especially in a big city. Uh, People are moving, especially gentrification in Humboldt Park. I think people are being pushed out of certain parts of the community, things like that. And I think for children to know that there's going to be a group of people or a church or, um, you know, a mentor or somebody in their life that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, unless God moves them somewhere, they're going to be there. Um, I think that that's a huge, huge part of anything that we've seen in transformation. And um, like I said, like you said, even it's been four years and there's still stuff she's working through. Like there's still stuff that like all of us are still working through. But for her to know, I think that even if she goes astray or she goes one way or another or, you know, something comes up in her life, um, she knows that people are going to be there to walk with her through it. So that's very
0: important. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So you had another story you wanted to tell us. Sure.
1: Yeah, so same girl. She uh, um, had a really, like I said.
0: So we're talking about Shay.
1: Yes, we're talking okay. about Shay. She had a really rough time. Um, you know, she found something she liked on the street. She wants to keep it. So she found a phone one day where, and this is just kind of fun story, but she found a phone one day where, you know it was unlocked it was new looked great she She brought that thing into the centers and she was like miss hannah you're not gonna believe what i found today on the street she's like i was in the alley walking over to the centers there's this brand new phone and it was on and i was like okay all right and she's like so i yeah she was just so amped up about it and i was like you do know you're gonna have to figure out who's that is she's like no what are you talking about And so she ends up, you know, telling me how like slumped down in her chair, her arms crossed, literally with a scowl on her face. was like, I'm not giving that phone back to this person. I was like, it's unlocked. We're going to see who's the contact on there. I'm sure there's a mom or a dad or uncle or TT, whoever, like somebody's going to be on there. So I was like, give me the phone, like prying it out of her hand. (laughs) And she's sitting there. No, no. And so finally we get the phone. We find somebody in it, call it. I'm like, you're making the call. Like you found this phone, you're going to be responsible for getting it back to where it belongs. You're making the call. So she makes this call. Somebody picks up, which is, I feel like that's rare that that type of stuff happens. Picks up, knows who the person is, knows that they lost their phone and ended up saying, you know what, we're going to be there. Can you hold on to it? Please just hold on to it where you're at. You know, for the next hour, we're going to be there. Like, please. Um, They're like, you have no idea how much this means to us. And so anyways, long story short. This person ends up coming, ends up having this huge, like, puppy dog grin, like, on his face. And he's like, I cannot believe that somebody would actually, like, like, not take the phone. Like, I just got this phone. Like, I dropped it out of my pocket and my way into the car. And I'm looking at Shay. I'm looking at him, like, you know, shaking my head. Like, yep, yep. mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) This
1: is what we want you to say. Like, (laughs) and she is still, like just grumpy, has her arms crossed, does not want to give this phone to this man. I have it in my pocket. I hand it to Shay, and I'm like, go give it to him. And she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go give it to him. She's like, I'm not doing Wow, that. with him there. No, like, him literally was there. And I was like, "Give him the, you need to give him the phone. She's like, you give it to him. I'm like, you found the phone. You need to give him the phone. And so she ends up finally, you know, <laughs> begrudgingly handing over the phone. And... Um, and we walk inside and, you know, the, it seems like it really was not that big of a deal. So this is tied to a text I got probably this past April. Was it April? So it was maybe almost mm-hmm, April, was about April. So anyways, we are on this retreat. I get this text from her and she goes, Miss Hannah. She's like, I'm not trying to like talk myself up or say, look at me, look at what I've done. But she's like, I just wanted to let you know that... Um, She's like, remember that one time a couple years back when you told me that I needed to give this phone back? She's like, well, I was thinking about that and thinking about, you know, the good things that you should do for people because, you know, you have Jesus in your heart. (laughs) She's like, I was at the, you know, doing my laundry. There's this homeless family that walked in the in the building and they were soaking wet because I've been pouring outside. And she was like, and the owner of the place would not let them dry their clothes and she's like, and I was just moved. She was like, I didn't know. She's like, I knew it was the Holy Spirit inside of me. Wow. <laughs> and this is like, I think she's in eighth grade this past year. And she was like, so I, she's like, I went up to them and I said, if you like want, I'll dry your clothes for you. She's like, like, I'm drying my stuff right now. I'll dry your stuff too. So she dries her clothes and she's like, hold on. Can you just wait here for a second? I'm going to go over to the store. So she literally, on top of this, I don't know how many of us would even just, one, do that. And then she goes to the store, buys them some snacks and some food, comes back, brings it to them. And then out of, I think she was, I know she was working um, for doing a rise. And then I think she was doing another program in the neighborhood as well, where she was getting paid. And out of her own money, she ended up giving them enough money to stay at this little, you know, podunk hotel down the street not Pulaski. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, which one Yep. But she gave them the money to stay there that night. And so she's she was like, I again, not trying to be like, you know, puff myself up. But she was like this. She's like, the only reason I did that was because you told me, you know, so many years ago that You need to do things because there's somebody on the other line, you know, somebody on the other end that needs it more than you or somebody, you know, that cares for that more. And I was just in tears. I was like, God, thank you. She's growing. She's getting it like she's getting your truth and she's living it out. It's not just like stuff that's going in one ear out the other or like, you know. Whatever it might be, you know, she's not just listening. She's actually doing. And that is, you know, fruit of your faith. So that was I think that's one of my most like proud moments, even just as a teacher and feeling like this girl's mama. Like, I'm like, wow, like, thank you, God, for like letting me even have the privilege of being a part of this girl's life, because it is a privilege, you know, Mm -hmm. like like you said, it goes both ways. You know, like it's not just you don't just come to help like you actually get to grow and help too. like they're helping you grow because I I know I know I would not have done those three things like I think I would have just turned my head and walked away if I'm honest with myself and the fact that she was able to challenge me I think is one of the greatest gifts of like being in ministry is the fact that like like you get to grow and like you get to be taught by those that you're teaching you know so
0: yeah it's relational in that regard yeah it's relational it's always a two-way bridge Yep. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about that story is that you encouraged her, right? So your three values are empower, encourage, educate, mm. right? You encouraged her, and she put the pieces together. Yeah. So that later on, it, it she didn't need specific education on how to help a homeless person. Sure. She 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 knew that out of the wisdom she had gained from those previous experiences, mm. which is really really beautiful to hear. That's an amazing story. Yeah. Thanks. So she's going into high school. Yep. And I know that you are pursuing funding for high schoolers. Mm-hmm. So talk me through uh, why the funding, what's it for, okay. um, and how is it going to help these high schoolers?
1: Cool. So we have a stipend program in our high school group, and we're actually trying to expand it to our middle school class as well. Um, so the girls get paid for coming to classes. Um, in the past, like I mentioned previously, it was more of an intervention program. So we did actually have, like, in the very beginning of the program, Um, back in 2009, girls who were on the street selling drugs, but it was in order to pay families electrical bills, help out their families, like no ill intentions, really, but they're just trying to get quick cash, you know, so a lot of part of the money part of this program was to assist them in doing something actually positive where they are going to receive, you know, some kind of income from that. Um, So I still love that piece, because I think getting something, having a reward from your hard work is important to see, especially at an early age, you know, like, don't take the shortcut, don't take, you know, do something that is illegal or something like that, you know, where um, if you work hard, like you will get a reward for that. And so um, kind of the heart behind it is to really grow them in understanding how to use their money, how to use it wisely. Um, talking them through saving because a lot of times, and I hear this all the time with my girls, it's like, hey, how did you, did you save some of your money this past week? Sometimes it's like one girl is like, yeah, I've saved it for the past three weeks. I've saved it for the past, you know, seven months. I haven't even checked in or cashed in my checks yet. I'm like, you need to go do that. Yeah. But um, kind of the stipend program is really to like grow them in that area. I think they have a lot of negative examples, not all of them, but I think that, um, some of our girls do have negative examples in their lives where um, all they see is you get, you get a check, you spend it. You have some cash from somebody, you spend it. Um, if you have it, you need to use it um, because you don't know when it's going to come next. And I think um, just kind of reformulating that, thinking for the future a little bit more, um, giving some tips, you know, about how to... You know, instead of spending your money on snacks today, I know you've been talking about getting those new shoes or that new phone. How about you save some money for that? You worked hard for it, you know? So um, just stuff like that where we're really trying to raise some of this funding in order to continue on in that program um, and expand it, really. I would like to see some of my girls who are currently in the high school program. I'd like to see them graduate and become employees of Arise. That's kind of the next big vision for the program itself is taking girls who really know the program, who have a heart for it, who have loved it, who've been there for years even, and for them to pour back into their own community because who can do it better than the people who've grown up there, you know? Yeah. So, and replace me, honestly, like I, that's kind of my heart is like, okay, Lord, like, like to have some of these girls really grow up in the program, understand money, you know, that be that part of it and then actually see the fruit of their labor and being able to actually be employees of the program would be phenomenal.
0: So. Yeah, I've been wondering about that. I was going to ask you about that later, but sure. I'm thinking about. So I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. I uh, grew up in a Puerto Rican family, not all that different from the families that probably are sending you uh, girls into a rise. And uh, it's true. I mean, Hispanics in the hood don't tend to know how to use their <laughs> money. They tend to spend it because they have it and they don't know when it's coming next. I like the way you phrased it. Um, And so I remember I graduated from Moody, got my first, you know, big boy job and thought, Mm -hmm. what am I doing with this (laughs) paycheck? And I had to have a friend actually coach me through just from his life with his family. He had healthy habits. And so uh, I think that's important. But what I've been thinking about now in my own life, is I stayed in Chicago. So I've got family in Detroit, family in Florida. I didn't go back to either of those places. Mm -hmm. And I have been thinking about, okay, with the success that you're having, the growth that the girls are having, Mm -hmm. um, are they going to come back? You know, like once Mm -hmm. they finish, once they go off to college... Are they coming back or is or is West Humboldt Park going to stay the same? You know, mm. What do you think? What's going to happen with uh, What what's the vision? What are you hearing from the girls?
1: Yeah. So I definitely think uh, we have some very, very ambitious girls in high school, which I love. Um, a few of them really want to. We've got a, one senior this year and then the rest are pretty much juniors. I don't think we have any sophomores this year and then a couple freshmen. And the girls who are juniors and seniors are definitely talking about going to college. And I am pushing them towards that. I'm like, yeah, I think that's good. If you have a heart for it, you want to do it, you want to be more educated, I think that's phenomenal. Um, So I think some of them are headed there. Some of them want to go across states to college because they want to experience something different than their own neighborhood.
0: Which is good for them. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think it's awesome. Um, Some of them... You know, want to go to a community college, and you know, UIC or wherever it might be. Like they want to go to a college that's close to family because family's important, you know. And um, and then there's others that just don't know yet. And so I think. Um, yeah, I think some of those ones that might not know, or the ones who are staying in the community and just need a part-time position or things like that, I think that they would be really interested in coming back and having a job like that. So, um, of course we have, this will be our first graduate this, uh, this coming, what it'll be in the spring. So, um, we're really looking forward to really, you know, pushing her forward. She's one that really does want to go somewhere and do something. And, um, I'm not sure exactly. I think she wants to go into the medical field um, and is really passionate about it. And so um, just encouraging her in that, you know, and then who knows if they'll come back to the community or um, if God will take them somewhere else. But just being a launching pad for them to be able to be successful in the future, whether it be college or a job or a trade or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, is just kind of our heart. So.
0: And that's important. I know uh, My Block, My Hood, My City, it's another not-for-profit youth program here in the city of Chicago. They say that people who do these kinds of excursions, that they just travel, even if they mm-hmm. travel in the city, they're 57% more likely to go to college and be successful mm-hmm. and have retain a healthy job, yeah. a significant job. And so I think that's that's part of this. Yeah. Uh, we've talked kind of big picture about the people involved in Arise. Uh, I want to talk about the stuff of Arise. Uh, so uh, let's get into the nitty-gritty. At the end of the day, it's jewelry making. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, tell me why jewelry and is there plans for it to be more than just jewelry? Are there other you know, clothing items or, or just other things that are going to come up? But why jewelry and what's the plan for if there's a plan for other things?
1: Sure. Um, I think just the initial start of the program, it started with jewelry. Um, I'll explain one of the our signature piece. It's called the Urban Hope piece. And it's kind of where... You're wearing one, yeah? Um, yeah, I am. yeah, yeah. It's kind of where the program itself blossomed out of, and so the beginning, you know, 2009, Beth and Nikki out at a bus stop, and this bus stop, you know, if you know Chicago, the West and South sides, there's drive bys, things like that. Um, obviously, there's way more beauty than that in the neighborhoods, Thanks but saying it. <laughs> things like that do happen periodically, and so. Um, a lot of our bus stops, you know, I'll get a call here and there where the bus stop, you know, has been shot out because of a drive by. And somebody's like, hey, you know, I know Arise uses this glass. Um, like, do you need some? So back then, the first time that it ever happened, they were waiting at a bus stop. It had been shot out. There was glass on the ground. And one of the daughters was like. Thought it was crystals laying on the ground so she picked it up was looking at it you know and they're like hey like we should take this back you know this idea brewing in their mind of starting a girls programming you know what could we do with it um they took that glass back and they started kind of uh testing things out you know um and they came up with this urban hopey so it's basically what it is is it's a square piece of glass so they sift through the glass wash it up make it nice and clean and sparkly again Um, wash it up and find the little square ones and those ones they wrap with some wire and they make it into the pendants for our pieces so we have a necklace um, earrings bracelet and now a tassel that has the same pendant on it and kind of the thought behind the pendant and this is why it's our signature piece because it's really stuck with us for these 10 years um, is that it's the gospel right that God is taking the broken things of this city you know just like that bus stop was broken and um useless. You know, people drive by and they're like, "Oh, that's a shame." You know, it doesn't have a purpose now. Like it's going to have to be fixed. That glass is going to have to be tossed out. Um that's the same thing. Like we are in of ourselves without Christ, like broken, lost, hopeless, useless. And and then Christ comes in, right? And he says, "No, actually this has purpose. Like this has beauty in it." And he gathers up the pieces and takes it home and washes it up and cleanses it and makes it new again. And although it's not You know, those broken pieces are not, they don't become a bus stop again, right? Like you're not building it up to be this bus stop again, but you're giving it a new purpose. And it's now become this beautiful pendant, you know, that people treasure on their, around their necks or on their ears. And people ask about, you know, and um, one of our pieces, it's uh, the bronze urban hope. It has a circle um, pendant that's attached to it and actually have that one on as well. And it is just a reminder that although, Today, we're not completely whole. God is in the process of making us whole um, so that one day we've got this hope. And that's the urban hope. You know, we have this hope that like one day we get to be in heaven and we get to be completely whole, you know, sin free. There's not going to be that brokenness. We are going to have a greater purpose. And so that's, you know, the gospel in a tiny piece of jewelry. And so the hope with that piece and with all of our pieces is that, um. Each one has a story behind it that we teach the girls. So I've learned it myself, right, as the teacher. I teach it to the girls. Then we go to selling events. They teach it to the customers. And then the customers go and they get to teach it to whoever asks about their piece or whoever they're gifting it to. Um, So it's this ripple effect of, you know... Um, beauty and change and really a foundation of faith that you get to share through a tiny little pendant or a tiny little piece of jewelry that you're just representing on yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's our signature piece. Uh, I love that. We are definitely trying to expand that um, in the season, trying to do maybe some things with some resin. Um, we've thought about coasters. We've thought about different kinds of ornaments. Um, we do have uh, a couple things that aren't necessarily jewelry we have a prayer piece it's a little jar um and it has all it has it's full of broken pieces of glass and it's called the chosen jar and basically you could put it up you know on a shelf or in your windowsill or wherever and it's a reminder that um there's broken people all around us we were once broken we were there too right and um and god is in the business of restoring those broken pieces to become beautiful. And so it's just that reminder to pray, not only just, you know, for your own brokenness, your family's brokenness, of course, that's very important, but looking outside of that in your own community, in your own neighborhood, in your own city, in your own, you know, state, wherever you are, you know, and really saying, okay, like, who does God want me to pray for that is broken, that needs his, his restoration? Um, So there's that. And then the Christmas ornament is similar. It's a glass ornament that has the glass sitting and it's really beautiful on the tree because it shimmers and things like that. So, um, yeah. And then as far as our other pieces of jewelry go, like I had mentioned, they each have a purpose behind them. So as we teach lessons, each of our lessons have to do with um, the jewelry piece that the girls create. Um, So we have a piece called Trio, and it's made of Italian leather, and it's wrapped three times. And we talked about the Trinity. So it's one piece of leather wrapped three times. You kind of get the gist of it. It represents the Trinity. So one week, you know, we taught theology. Yeah, we digging deep. So (laughs) um, taught about God the Father and who He is, and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and really dug into like, what does that mean? You know, because a lot of us, you know, if you don't have a foundation of faith or you didn't grow up in the faith, like you've heard, you know, of God and maybe you heard of Jesus and that there's this crazy spirit out there somewhere, you know? And so they, they're they trying to really build a theology and I really want to build a foundation for them. So that's kind of what we do also through the jewelry pieces. So then when they go teach that, they know that the trio piece represents the Trinity. Um, they can talk about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're educated in that way. Um, I so, love that.
0: Yeah. I love that. I mean, I, there's a few things I love about that. One, I love that the girls are getting to create. They're getting to use mm-hmm. their hands. There's something that's embodying the the work. And I love that the way it works is, uh, you know, they're broken people that are coming to make something out of a broken thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're making something new. They're creating a new culture. And then that thing speaks back to them. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it echoes back to them. The story mm-hmm. that they're hearing in the education classes. Mm-hmm. I, I love everything about that. It's creating a whole new world for them in Humboldt Park. And uh, and it's given them the chance to then speak into that when they go to a booth at a conference and they get to share that story. They get to extend where mm-hmm. that story reaches. Yeah. And so it's a beautiful act of kingdom building. Yeah, thank um, you. I, I do wonder, and we, we've we talked about this uh, off the podcast, but I'm wondering if it's helpful for other people who are trying to think through programs that are similar. Uh, you guys have an educational element. It sounds mm-hmm. like you do lessons as part of the yeah. jewelry making. And then, so, so there's this sort of... Uh, Disciple making, mentoring piece to, or intention to arise. But then, of course, there's the skill building, the business, yes. the entrepreneurial aspect to it. You know, how do you balance it? Is it 50 50? Is it not? <laughs> Should it be? You know, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's very hard and it can become very messy. So um, I think the key is flexibility, um, but still also having. Um, a heart to really treasure that discipleship piece and not let that go, because I think that it would be easy, especially with many um, nonprofits, whether it be inner city or elsewhere to accept funding, whether it be grant funding or whatever, then you take on these, you know, boundaries and these things that you can and can't do. And then all of a sudden your disciple piece is out the window, your discipleship piece is out the window. And so, you know, we have two classes a week, Makes it hard. It's about four hours for the girls a week, give or take, maybe about four and a half, four and a half, five hours a week. And so we always have time in the beginning where we really are digging in, hearing how the girls are doing, doing highs and lows, you know, touching base with them as people, really hearing where they're at. That's important. You know, they come in from school having a lot on their minds and you really want to hear where they're at. Um, And then we try to do at least once a week a lesson. Uh, If we're introducing a new piece, we'll do the lesson on Um, the meaning behind the piece, you know, the spiritual lesson, the enrichment portion. Um, And then after that, we'll teach how to make the piece. So the girls will learn what it is, which is important, and then how to do what it is. So then they're making it with their hands. They're learning new tools, new materials. Um, And I would say, honestly, most of the girls actually... All of the girls that we have in our program never once have touched a jewelry tool, never once have understood, you know, little pieces and materials of jewelry making prior to being a part of the program. It's something that they learn while they're there.
0: And y'all get pretty technical. I mean, I've seen some of the stuff just from videos I've seen. I mean, it gets pretty technical in terms of having a kind of a dashboard that they're making from. And it's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, they do a phenomenal job. Once they learn it, they, like, go through a process of, um, you know, seeing if it's testing it, seeing if it's ready for selling. Um, if it doesn't make the cut, it doesn't go in the bins to be sold. Um, but then we work through some of those things, you know, like what could you have done better on this piece? Like what, why can't it go in the bin? Not just like, Oh, sorry. Like your piece didn't make the cut. Like, no, actually like this is what you need to work on in order for it to get there. And I think that work ethic and doing things with excellence is something that we really value as well is, you're not just going to do something just to throw it in a bin and, you know, make some cash, but you're going to do it and you're going to do it well. Um, so, yeah, so they really, I mean, once they know the pieces and they really get going on them, they can they can
0: really do beautiful, beautiful work. Some of them are better than mine. So <laughs> <laughs> did you have to learn jewelry making to do this or did, did did you have a background in it?
1: Absolutely not. No, I I did not have a background. I knew nothing about jewelry making other than maybe making, you know, some little Um, strings and beads, maybe when I was a little girl. But um, so a lot of it was just self-taught, asking people that maybe knew, watching YouTube videos um, and really allowing that, you know, I think that's actually really a cool part of it is because a lot of times when we do a new piece, I've learned it myself or Rochelle has learned it herself. um, We've taught ourselves really, you know, tried to perfect the piece so that then we can go and teach it. But then even as we're teaching it, The girls sometimes find stuff that's like, oh, Miss Hannah, like, I don't know about this part. Like, this doesn't seem to be connecting well or whatever. And so we work through it together and they see that, okay, like, it's not just like she's up here and I'm down here. We're working side by side. Um, So that's kind of a cool part of it is... You know, I'm still
0: learning. Yeah, and it's very collaborative. Yeah,
1: very collaborative. So Very
0: cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, the girls are the jewelry makers. Yep. And now some of them are also the jewelry sellers. I was at CCDA yep. last year. I saw several of them. They were really the ones managing the booth. Absolutely. Uh, what's it like for them? Is there a story that that sticks out of them as salespeople and how they feel after that experience?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of one. I know in particular, we had a middle school girl. Her named Danisa, and she grew up in Humboldt Park. Um, she comes from a very Mexican family. Her parents speak Spanish only, and she can speak both, but I think she's more comfortable with her Spanish. Um, and so it was her first selling event this past year. It was her first semester. Um, she was excited, but you could tell she was very nervous. Um, and I think that's usually, you know, the go around for everybody who goes out to their first event. Um, you don't really know what to expect. You know, you're going to be interacting with people. You know, you're going to have to share stuff that you learned. You're also trying to sell a piece, you know. Um, and so it can be a lot of pressure. But like we try to prepare them for that moment, you know, do a little setup booth in the studio and like have them interact with each other first. And there's a lot of laughing and things going on, but they understand the gist of it. Um, So Danisa goes to her first event and she literally I'm pretty sure this girl is hiding behind some of us like somebody comes up to the booth. She's like, oh, no, you do it. You do it. No, you do it. And I'm like, no, you do it. Like, this is your thing. Like, I am not the one that made the jewelry. I am just here to support you. And she's like, "Okay, Miss I'm just feeling really nervous. I don't really know like just do it if you need help you can ask us and so she goes and tries to share you know feeling nervous like does a great job you know the event ends we go to the second event it's the next week and it's actually a new life women's retreat so there was a lot of people who spoke spanish there and a lot of people spoke english too but she came to that event as well and we noticed you know some ladies coming out to the booth did not know english and i had Denise here with me and i was like Danisa, like, you have something that I can't offer. Like, you have something that Miss Rochelle can't offer, that some of these other girls can't offer. You can literally speak their heart language and you can share from your own heart the things that you've been learning. And it was literally in that moment, this girl became a different girl. Like, she completely blossomed, like, shared from her heart. Like, she was, like, just, she was just, like, light shining there it was so beautiful and after that person left she turned around and she was beaming and she was like miss hannah i shared and i knew what i was saying and she was like and they understood and i got to explain it in spanish and i got to explain this this and this and usually i can't say that and just was like gushing just how you know she felt so proud of herself and you could just tell you know um so it's cool and honestly i think one of the neatest things is watching the girls grow over time at selling events you go to the first one, obviously, you're gonna have a couple little middle school girls hiding behind somebody else trying to not make eye contact with anybody. And then those same girls, a year later, even a semester later, are the ones that are up in the front, passing out cards, talking to people, bringing them in, you know, saying, How, like, have you heard about Arise? Like, can I tell you about, like, this thing that I learned? And I think that um, yeah, it's just really neat to see that transformation. And I think the biggest thing that they learn in that is confidence, um, confidence in themselves, confidence in what they're sharing, um, confidence in the things that they've learned that have really sunk down into their hearts. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, although, you know, it's like, oh, they make joy and they sell joy. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. They're learning about themselves as they go out and they experience something new that maybe they would never experience before, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I hope you know, that they get to be. Yeah, no,
0: it does. They get to be involved in the full process. Yeah. Right? They uh, they hear the stories, learn the stories, and then they get to tell them. And yeah. I think that that's uh, that's part of the subversion. Right. You're yes. slowly chipping away at the culture that they're embedded in. Hmm. Man, praise God for what uh, Arise Creations is doing. I know we've got to wrap up. Is there anything that we missed, something you want to make sure that everyone knows?
1: No, I think this is great. Like, our, Keep praying for our girls. I think uh, we've seen transformation happen, but it hasn't been void of prayer. People have been praying for our girls, so keep praying for them. Um, of course, if you want to get involved um, or just see what we're doing, we have an Instagram page. I know that will be linked. We have a Facebook um new life centers if you ever want to connect out there we have volunteer opportunities both at the centers as well as rise if you're interested in the girls and then of course if you feel led to give like that is always a need in nonprofit worlds if you're a part of that so um yeah we're just excited for the opportunity to share and um just to continue to empower our girls in Humboldt park
0: yeah Hannah, thanks so much for being with us. This has been the World Outspoken Podcast. Again, uh, check out Arise on Instagram and Facebook and make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Tell Hannah what you thought. We'll make sure we get uh, that feedback to her. Hey, thanks again. Thank you. We'll see you guys later.